All right, well, welcome back to Online Church. We're so happy that you're here with us this Mother's Day Sunday. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, um, so excited for you to be here with us. Uh, we're going to open up in some prayer, especially for you moms. And we want to say, moms, um, quite literally, if it wasn't for you, none of us would be here. Uh, and for a lot of us, functionally, our families would not be nearly what they are. Our workplaces would not be nearly what they are. Our church would not be nearly what it is if it wasn't for you. So we are thankful for you. We hope that you are celebrated today. And I'm sure dads everywhere you are killing it, kids everywhere you are killing it, and celebrate moms. Nobody waited till today to figure out, oh my gosh, what do I do? And if you do, if that is you, fake it. So let me pray. Jesus, we ask as we're gathered together that you would do something new, do something insightful inside of us, that as your word speaks to us today, you would help us to know you better. I pray and I thank you for every mom who's tuning in and watching, and for every mom who's not tuning in and watching, for how they have loved, served, sacrificed for so many. And God, I pray that you would just be with them today, help them to be celebrated today, known today. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, as we've been gathering together in this online space, uh, I want to say first and foremost, uh, we've had a lot of you who have started to connect with us for the first time who have never actually been here. Some of you in Tallahassee, some of you way beyond Tallahassee have become part of our church family uh, over the last several weeks. And so we're so excited today to end this series that is all about the unstoppable movement of God, the unstoppable movement of the church. Now, if you haven't been tracking with us, I don't want to overview the entire thing, but it's simply to say this. The church, the kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus is the unstoppable movement of God. There is nothing that we can do to stop it. God is going to redeem his people. God is going to do a work. But in the middle of that, it doesn't mean that we're immune to being temporarily ineffective. And so the first couple of weeks were really just all about how this is the work of God. This is the work in the witness of God. And then from that point forward, we've brought some realignment into focus. Because here's the central thing and the thought and the idea that we have been wrestling with. This is the question that I think we need to wrestle with as a church continually. It's simply this. Why are we not more effective why are we not more effective? Now, I don't know if you've ever spent time thinking about that, praying about it, contemplating that, but probably most folks have not spent time on an organizational level thinking, man, why are we not corporately and communally more effective? But here's what I think each one of us who follows Jesus has thought. I think each one of us have wrestled with this question. Why am I not more effective? Why am I not more effective? And here's what I mean by that. You might not have said that in those terms, but we've all thought, why am I not more effective? Why is it that if I believe in Jesus, and I believe that I have the spirit of the living God, the almighty God inside of me, it seems like there should be a higher level of impact in the world. It, it, it seems like if I have the spirit of the living God inside of me, then there should be maybe, a, not just maybe a worldwide impact, but there should be at least some type of an impact on my city, at least some type of an impact on my workplace. And for many of us, we're sitting here praying and praying and praying that the people in our family come to know Jesus. Perhaps you have a spouse 
Who doesn't know Jesus? And you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying. You have coworkers who don't know Jesus, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying. You have a mother or a father who doesn't know Jesus, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying. And, and, and somewhere deep inside, we wonder, why am I not being more effective? We pray, and I think for many of us, I mean, we want to have this global impact. Uh, maybe not global impact, but I remember when I was in college sitting there thinking and praying like, God, it would be incredible. It would be incredible if we could just like get, get Dope Campbell Stadium. This is pre-COVID days, by the way. If we could get Dope Campbell Stadium filled and, and there could be a sermon and then the entire campus would come to know you, Jesus. Like, man, it would just be incredible if I could get everybody in my family together and I could say this thing and they would be like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden everybody would surrender their life to Jesus. So I think at the core of it, we all know we have the spirit of the living God inside of us. We all long for the people we know and care about to know Jesus. But for many of us, here's the reality of our life. We question because the truth is we've never influenced a person eternally. We've never helped bring anybody from death to life, from sinfulness to forgiveness from non-belief to belief to believing in Jesus. For many of us, honestly, that's a, it's, it's a point of shame. We're almost hesitant and don't want to admit it. We're a little bit confused about why it happens. We're a little bit frustrated by it. And for some of us, if we're being honest, we have doubts about God because we just don't get, God, you did so much in the early church. I mean, in the book of Acts, it just seemed like everything was happening. Everything was popping off. It seemed like the entire church was just going and growing, and they would say something, and the Holy Spirit would do something, and God would do this miraculous work, and just people continually, continually, continually. And in fact, kind of throughout the history of Christianity, all kinds of people would come to know Jesus. And so why is it that I can't even influence the people who I know I care about or the people in my class or the people that are my roommates or the people that are in my workspace? Why am I not more effective? And if you're like most of us, what that means is then you try to either ignore it or you try harder. You either ignore it and pretend like, oh, that doesn't matter. I'm just, it's just about being faithful, you know, anyways. And so, you know, reaching people, helping people to come to know Jesus, helping people to grow in their faith, you know, what, whatever. You know, I'm just going to ignore that part that lacks a sense of, of, of efficacy. Or, <laughs> to be honest, we've become, we've become a bunch of weirdos. Like, and we've talked about this before. But you bring up Jesus in really, really weird ways. And I'm just going to talk specifically to you, like, over-Christian people. Like, <clears throat> again, you'll be watching a basketball game, which nobody's watching a basketball game. But sometimes, you know, maybe you're watching the new Michael Jordan documentary. And you see Michael Jordan just cross somebody up. And, 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 and you, as you're watching it, and you're watching it with your friend or your family. You're like, oh, speaking of the cross, have you met my Savior, Jesus? You know, and everybody's just like, bro, quit being weird. Like, we either double down or we ignore oftentimes. And so what I want to talk about today is how do we become more effective? And not just effective for the sake of effectiveness, but I think deep-seated in this whole deal is the reality that God wants to work in us and through us to impact and have the impact that we long for and want and desire. 
I think sometimes the problem is we just focus on the wrong thing, and that's what we're going to talk about. Before we get there, I want to kind of make one more observation. Is that the reality is, is most of us don't feel prepared. If we're being honest, part of the reason why we don't feel like we are impactful enough is because if we actually leaned into some conversations, some people might ask some questions that we don't have the right answer to and we really don't know how to answer. We just don't really totally feel prepared. And here's the good news. In the early church, they were so much less prepared than you are and I am. They were so incredibly unprepared because to this point, they had had no church training. We're going to read a story of what the very first thing the early church did once the Holy Spirit came down. You got to get this. So the Holy Spirit comes down about 40 days after Jesus is, you know, kind of, you know, he's died, resurrected, going back and forth. And the Holy Spirit comes down. He ascends up into heaven. And as this happens, Peter stands up and gives a sermon. Not an intentional, not a thought out. Peter just is in a big crowd. Holy Spirit comes down, gathers this mass together. Peter gives this incredible, effective sermon. It had a couple holes in it. But Peter gives this sermon, and as he gives this sermon, just people everywhere start giving their life to Jesus. Here, let me, let me read kind of what happens as Peter finishes his sermon, and you can tell how unprepared they are. Here's what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. So let all the house of Israel, this is Peter's conclusion to his sermon, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, both God and Messiah, both King and Messiah. This is what we talked about last week, that that this was the hallmark, that Jesus is King, Jesus orders everything, Jesus ordains everything. He says, and so God has made him that. This Jesus whom you crucified, by the way. Now, the reason I say the sermon has holes in it is because Peter forgot to give an application to it. It's like, come on, Peter, you know this. Every great sermon has an application, but obviously it was effective because instead of them saying, man, I wonder how we apply this, they, they ask Peter and they say, okay, so, so what do we do? Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? In other words, man, that's fantastic. Okay, I'm on board with this Jesus thing. Now, what should we do? So Peter says, oh, by the way, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, pause. You think you're unprepared. You think perhaps the reason that you don't have an impact, or I don't have an impact, or we don't have more of an impact, the reason we don't influence more people for Jesus is because we're just not prepared. I want to give you a picture. Their unpreparedness must have been overwhelming and daunting. To this point, the Jewish religion, who had now become the Christian religion, had never been a religion about growing and spreading this message. They had no evangelism training. It was about being born into and inherited. To this point, there was no books on how to plant a church, how to start a church. There was no books on church structure. There was no books or any type of of information of church history. This was the beginning of church history. This is day one of the church. And not only did they say this, not only was baptisms happening, but at the same time, verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized. They were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Now, you feel unprepared. I want you to think about this. Day one, you have no experience, nothing to go off of, no no real thing, except for the fact that you followed around Jesus, which is pretty cool, by the way. But now, 
You're in charge of 3,000. You have a mega church, day one. And not only that, but you have the commands of Jesus to go and make disciples, carry this message to the entire world. This is a call for global impact by which they were so wildly unprepared because they had no experience with this. And honestly, when Jesus walked and Jesus talked, Jesus gave them very little information about how to organize and create a church after this. So what do we do with the movement? Jesus just said, hey, you just followed me around for a little while. And so what they did was so simple but so beautiful. What they did with their total lack of preparation, what they did with their total lack of preparedness was so deeply impactful. We stand here today over 2,000 years later because of what happened in verse 42. That is how important in life-changing what we're about to read is. So this is what they did. In chapter 2, verse 42. And they, being the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, which were the teachings of, of, of the apostles as they remembered what Jesus had said. They were devoted basically to, to God's word and to the word of God, but at that point it was through the mouth of the apostles. To the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the communion and community with one another. So they were devoted to the teachings of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the words of God. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Breaking of bread was a couple of parts to that. One part of that was they were devoted to the breaking of the bread, in, in, in other words, the remembrance of Jesus' death on the cross. At the same time, what the church would do is that they would gather together in the temple and they would go by night and they would spread different people's houses and they would kind of break bread together, they would eat together, they would share life together. They were devoted to one another, they were devoted to God's word, they were devoted to remember his sacrifice. And the very last thing is they were devoted to prayer. Now, this changed the world. This changed the world. But when you hear that, isn't this true? That you hear that and you think, <laughs> come on, like, we all do that, right? If, if you're a Christian, right, like you, you maybe read God's word, understand God's word, you're in a, maybe a community group about God and you, you study and you've read a couple times or maybe you took a class on it. Like you hear that and you think, okay, there's got to be more than that. Okay, so they, you know, are our equivalent. They read the Bible they spent time investing in one another's lives. They remembered Jesus' death and they prayed. <laughs> like, Ben, I don't know if you know how a sermon works, but that's not very insightful. That's not very helpful. Come on, come on. Everybody who's a Christian does that, right? Like, that's, that doesn't make me more impactful, perhaps. That just makes me more frustrated. But here is, I think, the difference between what they got and what we do. What they understood was this idea that they were devoted to it. 
They were absolutely devoted to it. If you look up that little word in the Greek, it, 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 it explains it as this single-minded focus and fidelity towards. Like they had this single-minded focused in fidelity towards God's word. They had this single-minded focused towards one another. They had this single-minded focused fidelity to always remember Jesus' death. They had this single-minded focus and fidelity towards prayer. And this was not just simply integrated in their life, but this was their entire life. Now, when I say single-minded focused fidelity towards, it's not like, oh, now I get it. So here is, I think, the one word that describes what they said or what was written what Luke wrote when he wrote the book of Acts when he said devotion. It's simply this. Their devotion equaled obsession. They were not simply integrating this into their life. They were obsessed with this. This was their entire life. They lived this. They breathed this. This was their existence. They were obsessed with saying, okay, we believe in Jesus. Now tell us what Jesus said. We believe that he is the son of God. Now, we want to know more. Apostles, will you tell us, will you help us, will you inform us of what Jesus said? And man, as a community, we are, we are in fellowship with one another. We care deeply about one another. We're, we're invested in one another's lives. I mean, we never want to forget that everything that we do flows from Jesus' death on the cross. That Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us, not so that he could just be a good God and a good person and a martyr, but because you and I, in and of ourselves, are deeply sinful. Jesus saw that, knew that, knew that there was no way that you and I, in our sinfulness, could gain a right standing with God. And Jesus became the payment that we couldn't pay. And they said, we never want to forget this. And the last one, which, to be honest... Is probably the most challenging for me. They were obsessed with prayer. I think where we miss this is we want to see where in the margins of our schedule we can integrate God's word, God's people, God's prayer, and perhaps I'll remember his death at some point in the day and the sacrifice he made for me. Like, like we just kind of want to put that into place as we can, as we have margin in our day, because we've got stuff, and you've got life, and you've got kids, and you've got work, and you've got school, and you've got responsibilities. They were obsessed with this. Now let me make this connection. We want to be impactful. We want to be impactful. We want to, as Jesus said in Matthew 5, be the light of the world. We want to be that city on a hill. We want to have and be the type of people where people are influenced for the kingdom of God because of us. But if you take this thought, I want you to think about a lighthouse. Not uh, too many days ago, for the first time in, in, gosh, over a decade, down along the coast, St. Mark's turned on their lighthouse for the very first time. I mean, lighthouse, there's, there's this massive, you know, light kind of like bulb that goes into it. There's this, there's this gigantic current that has to come through. I mean, the, you think about this, the brighter the light, the bigger the light, the better the connection has to be. Here's what I find. 
in the Christian space, we want to have the light of a lighthouse that people all over the place will see us and praise our Father in heaven, yet we struggle to have the connection of a two-pronged outlet. We want to have the influence and the impact of this massive thing that takes tons of energy, tons of connectivity. Yet we don't even connect daily. You think about this. Think about the people who are the most impactful. Think about the people who are the most impactful for, for, for God. Think about the people who when you think about them, man, you just think, I wish I could have the kind of influence that they had, that they have, that they've had on my life, and I see them having on so many people's lives. These are your community group leaders. These are your discipleship leaders. These are the people who have influenced you. Perhaps while you were growing up, it was your pastor. Perhaps while you were growing up, it was your community group leader or your, your youth group leader. Or it was somebody who was just so deeply impactful for your life. Isn't this true? That the most deeply impactful people for you spiritually were the people who were the most deeply connected to their heavenly father. You see, I think when we think in terms of impact, we think in terms of efficacy and best practice. But I think when God thinks of impact, he thinks in terms of connection. Because you cannot miss this. You cannot miss this. This is the bottom line. If you don't hear anything else, frankly, in this entire series, it's this. Our impact, our impact on the world, the unstoppable impact of God is determined by our devotion. Our impact on the world is and will be determined by our devotion. You look at people who are making an impact, and I promise you, it is because they have a deep connection to their heavenly Father. Let me pause and say this real quick, because I think that there's one exception to this. And this is specifically you, if you're listening for this and you're in ministry, if you're on church staff, if you're in church leadership, or if you're in ministry leadership, perhaps with you know, one of the, the various different parachurch organizations and ministries, the other side of this is it's possible for at some point your connection to give you an impact, but at some point you become disconnected and your light's still up there shining, but you lack the connection and eventually you implode. This is like if you think about a, a can of Coke even. Like, like this can is, is, is good and it's nice, but when a can is, 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 is full and it's sealed, I mean, you can squeeze that thing. And it ain't popping. But if you empty a can, isn't this true? It's really easy to squeeze and crush a can. And I just say this specifically to my friends that are in ministry. The best question I've ever heard phrased about this was by a, a pastor by the name of Francis Chan, who asked this question, does your public passion exceed your private and personal devotion? Because if it is, which it is for all of us at some point, because you're paid and you're looked to ministerially to be a person who's a light. People look to you for that. This is occupational hazard to you. You are paid in, in, or, or you are at least looked at in a way that you are looked at in the light that you are to be impactful. People assume a relationship with Jesus, and so does your public passion exceed your personal devotion? And for the rest of us, is it possible? Is it possible that the reason why we're not so deeply impactful isn't because of the fact that we 
should do things better or differently. It's because we're trying to create this incredible impact with almost no connection. But the early church was obsessed with this. Here's the, here's the incredible part about it. You don't have to have formalized training to do this. There's, there's not this evangelism class that you have to take. I mean, people who are deeply and madly in love with Jesus, obsessed with Jesus, not just like, okay, I'm just going to integrate this as a part of my life in the margins that I have, but I mean, everything revolves around this one person, this one being, his teachings, his incredible wise words, the, the commonality of the people who know him, and then going from that, realizing his death, and just saying, man, God, I get to talk to you. And the people who are so deeply impactful, I'm telling you, they are the ones who are obsessed with that. Read with me what happened when the, the group of Christians decided that we, though we don't know everything, though, though we are wildly unprepared, we were going to have a global impact, and this is what happened when they devoted themselves to these things, when they became obsessed. Verse 43 this is what it says. And awe came upon every soul. By the way, that's, that's a great way to know where your connection with God is. It's difficult for me to be in connection with the God who if I ever actually experienced him in his glory, as it talks about in Revelation, I would fall over as if dead. It's difficult for me to have a deep abiding connection with God and not be constantly in awe of who God is. They were in awe. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. This is kind of an unanticipated effect of their devotion to Jesus and to one another. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received the food with glad and generous hearts. Here's how I know that we struggle to be obsessed with the things that they were obsessed with. When we read that, the first thing that we think about, or for many of us when we think about, that man, they just, there was this generosity that sprang up. They started selling their possessions, giving to one another. We think, gosh, well, do I need to do that? Do I have to do that? Like, like do I actually, like, how much do I have to share? Like, how much do I have to give? I know this is kind of this idea of 10%. No, no, no. When you are obsessed with them, you're just saying, God, you are the only thing that matters. You are the only thing that matters. And I just want to know more of you. I want to know more about you. And God, I am obsessed with caring about people, people who are like me, people who believe in you. And, and I just want to make sure that everybody has what they need, that they're becoming all that they can be in you. Like the question isn't, how much do I have to do? The question becomes, how can I serve you as my brother or my sister in Christ? It wasn't a sense of, oh man, so now this requirement, this edict came down from God that, hey, if you're going to be my followers, you got to share. They just said, okay, okay, who needs what? Who needs what? I've got some stuff. You've got some stuff. I'm working hard. I'm doing this. You're doing that. You've got some land. These people are in need. And a lot of people will talk about how when this happened, it was because it came on the heels of, of a Jewish um, celebration when the Holy Spirit came down. That there were a bunch of people from a bunch of different places who were not in Jerusalem permanently, but had just come there for the celebration, believed in Jesus, and now stayed 
stayed for a little while because of the fact that they were trying to understand, now, now tell me about these apostles' teachings. And there was incredible need, and the church saw that and didn't think, okay, what do I have to do? They said, I deeply love you, and what I'm obsessed with is Jesus. And so how can I serve you? And here is what happened as they did that. Praising God, having favor with all people, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that simple? Now, I know for many of us, there's this internal, well, I do pray, well, I do read. Well, I do, I have joined a group. Let me just ask you, not have you signed up or do you attend from time to time, but man, is this the obsession of your life? Because I think ultimately our impact, our impact is determined by our connection and our obsession. I think there's many of us who, for being honest, we long to have a deep impact on the world. Yet we struggle to daily have connection with God. If that's you, I want you to know first and foremost, you're in good company. That's something that we have all struggled with. There's not condemnation in that. But allow that thought, allow that feeling to know that your connection with God, your connection with God creates an impact to the world. Allow it to drive you to become the person, to become the woman and the man, the mother and the father, the brother and the sister, the roommate, the coworker, who is deeply impactful because they are deeply committed. You see, as you become obsessed with something, that something that you're obsessed with has a tendency to change your life. And as it changes your life, you have a tendency to talk about it, to inform people about it, and not in a weird way. Right? This is why, so let me just take this out of the spiritual realm. This is why people don't like vegans and CrossFitters, right? Because, like, you will not shut up about it. We get it. You don't eat meat. Cool. You know? Like, cool, man. You can do a clean and jerk. Like, you can, wow, oh, my gosh, how much do you squat? No way, dude. That's all, you know? But, like, but, but this has radically changed their lives. They are, in, in a lot of ways, they become kind of obsessed with it. It becomes this kind of competition. It becomes this interesting thing that, that now in culture we almost make fun of because they become raving evangelists for the thing that has changed them. What if that was the story of the church? Because it was in the book of Acts. What if that was our story? That we were so deeply obsessed, that we had been so radically changed by Jesus. Our obsession and devotion was to him, for him, and with him. And it radically changed our lives in a way that people saw it, people took notice of it, people asked us about it. Our lives were different because of it. I think that is the grounds for impact. And what's interesting is if you look through church history, every great revival that has happened 
almost always happens because there is a returning to God. There is a returning to God's word. There is a returning to fellowship. There is a returning to small group ministry. There is a returning to people caring about one another. There is a returning of people who just prayed and 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 and said, God, we are obsessed with you and we want to see you move. So let me ask a real simple question, but a very, very difficult one. One that, to be frank, I struggle with and I think about and I wrestle with. Are you obsessed with Jesus? Are you so deeply impacted by what he did on the cross, by the sacrifice, by the love? Are you so confronted with the love of God that it drives this desire and this obsession back for him? Our impact will always be determined by our connection. Now, as we're closing today, let me give you a couple first steps. If you hear this and you think, man, that's phenomenal, I just don't know what to do with it. If you're not currently connected, if you're not currently connected, I couldn't urge you more to join a community group. Community groups are where we gather together, we love one another, we serve one another, we pray for one another, we study the teachings together, of Jesus. The teachings, by the way, which revolve around his death and his resurrection. This is where for many of us accountability happens. Have you been spending adequate time in God's word? Have you been obsessed and compelled to spend time with God this week? It's where care happens. It's where needs are met. This is not the silver bullet, but here's what it is. This is the starting point. This is the starting point. This is, in essence, not the finish line. It is the doorway into Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is what we talk about. Circles are better than rows. That inspiration happens as we gather together in rows. Inspiration happens. We hear this, we're inspired. But sustained life change, sustained connection happens as we gather in groups of small groups of people like what happened. They gathered together in the temple and they went to their houses and they broke bread and they talked about what had happened in the temple. They talked about it. They joined together. They had life. They experienced life together prayed together. And if you're in a group, if you're in a group, I want to ask you this question. In fact, I want you to process this with your group if you are in a group. Has simply going to group become the finish line or has that four-year group been a doorway into sharing life together? To have this mutual commonality, desire, passion, obsession. I hope that we are so wildly impactful for our families, our cities, our workplace, our community, our state, our country, our world. But I pray it doesn't happen as we figure out, man, what's the best strategy? I hope and I pray that it happens as a group of people who have given their life to Jesus become deeply obsessed with the one whom they have given their life and trusted their eternity to. And I'll end by saying this. Perhaps if you're listening and you're struggling with faith, you were handed a Sunday school faith or somewhere along the way the rigors of life kind of took over and now you're just wondering if God's even there, if God's even real. 
My guess is if you saw Christians, followers of Jesus, actually do this, this would change the way that you thought about God. Because for the first time, you would see people who deeply understood the impact and their lives were radically changed. And that would be different. That would be interesting. That would be compelling. And perhaps if you have counted God out, you would for the first time in a while be attracted or at least interested in this God that you currently wonder if he even exists. Let's pray together. Jesus, we ask you and we thank you as we are gathered together in all kinds of places and spaces. That from the realization of your mercies for us, your death on the cross for us, empowered by your Holy Spirit, we would be obsessed, devoted, of single-minded fidelity to your word, to you through prayer, to fellowship in one another, and to always remembering the sacrifice that you made for us, that truth that is the gospel. I pray as we are devoted to those four things, you would impact the world for your kingdom and for your glory far beyond what we could even imagine. We are honored to be a part of this unstoppable movement of your kingdom. Help us to be obsessed with you. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.